welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, we're rolling. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Knock On Podcast. I am at the base of Snowbird-ish, ish, and yeah, that's right. We're technically not. We're at the foothills of the bird. We're here for the Total Archery Challenger weekend. I've got my buddy Andy Stumpf with me, and we had some awesome few days already. This is a kind of a recap of the first Knock to Fork Traeger slash Meat Church experience that we put together. Um, unfortunately, there was limitations to how many people could fit in the Traeger HQ, so uh, the tickets sold out really fast. But it was a packed house, and uh, just to give everyone a recap of what all happened, um, I did make a post about it. I actually posted um, to the Knock On Nation a day before Traeger did or I announced it a day before for the sign-up just to try to give all of you a heads up. Um, so the majority, the vast majority, was all Knock On Nation followers, and it was a pretty dang cool experience, wasn't it? It was pretty awesome just to see how far people came. Road trips. <laughs> yeah, road trips. Planes, galore. trains, and automobiles. Mm-hmm. And the Traeger HQ, I wish I had taken some more pictures. I actually want to go back just to take some. That's one of the coolest offices I've ever been in. Yeah, it is awesome. It's, I didn't take hardly any photos. I didn't I'm take a too. single one inside of there. I have to go back before we leave just to take <laughs> pictures. Even I, their front sign with all this. I was looking at it. I didn't realize it was chopped wood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With like a laser etched <laughs> metal. Yeah, I, I got to go back. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and then um, so we started out the day. Well, we started out the event for a cocktail party um at Traeger HQ so everyone could just you know put names with faces etc uh had a great time and then the next morning 9 30 everyone met at uh at Hoyt and we literally got a private tour for everybody through the Hoyt factory everyone got to sit in the the lodge which is pretty much you know the bang out room for all the big uh, internal meetings and sales meetings when everyone comes in and uh, also for the dealer schools and then everyone got a tour everyone was blown away also got a sneak peek at a bow that's going to be coming out here um, within the next week uh, and let's see then we kind of rolled straight down the road to um, the Easton Center which is just a you know elite level uh, training center and competition center so we went into uh, a five hour or well it was about four hours I guess four hour class Um, I worked with just about everybody ran low on time um, so I wasn't able to have the follow-up that I wanted there did a lot of my follow-up at Traeger that night just based off photos because I really wanted to to see everybody shoot individually, those who I could point something out right away, I would. Um, and then they had a little hamburger bar from the Traeger trailer that was cooking outside. And then we all went uh, to Traeger HQ and 
meat church put on a clinic for beef chad put on one for pork and then i kind of rolled into poultry uh mine was obviously i well technically i had no time left by the (laughs) when they got when i just say they went long yeah yeah they literally (laughs) said dud um We've just put everything on a table for you. Actually, everything's done. Um, you got about five minutes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is totally cool because everyone came for that. And I and honestly, that's not my world. They they come from competition style world and everything. So it's kind of your world. I just backed up. I I just wanted people to know it's kind of your world. Like we were talking about the Michelin star for barbecues yesterday. I think you're getting close. Mm. You may not be a competition barbecuer, but you know how to throw down on the grill. Well, they made it easy because I certainly don't have any schooling on it. But uh, then we had uh, finished up with another party, and it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Totally amazing. And I I was able to get some feedback from a lot of not only followers, um, friends, and just people from all over the U.S. that were there. And when you do that, you're able to look at their equipment setup. You're you're able to look at how they were set up, you know, from wherever they learn and from their shops. There were several people. I mean, there was a a big number of people that had only been shooting like three to four months. And their technique and skill level was, I mean – they were at a level where it probably took me 15 years to get to those types of positions and understanding of like proper form. Um, and then just minor, a couple minor tweaks on some of their setups, um, or, you know, how to use certain things that they had, that they had, you know, certain releases. And then they were able to make some adjustments and, and make some quick changes. I mean, what did you see that stood out? I mean, going backwards from everything you just described, I was watching uh, just from the back as they were putting on the cooking seminar or the the meat seminar is basically what it was. And just the notes people were taking as they, it was pretty cool setup where a professional chef is up front and they have multiple camera angles that are being displayed on a TV and the guy's mic'd up and everybody's got a folder. And you, I mean, I spend some time talking in front of crowds so you can you learn to gauge yep. the engagement mm-hmm. and sitting from the back it was just heads down taking notes hands up asking questions that part was awesome like yep. people were well metaphorically eating that up yeah we <laughs> ate later after that <laughs> um so that was it was really cool to see how into it people were and then back to the archery center i don't i mean that mecca if you shoot a bow like that's where you want to be we were indoors because it was 400 degrees outside but there was an outdoor range that was amazing. Mm-hmm. The indoor range was what ninety meters, you said. Yeah, normally they will be. Yeah, yeah. normally they they'll build them. I'm pretty sure that one was. I never really got to pay attention because we put everyone on the short side. Um, but climate controlled, as far as anybody would want to shoot indoor, oh, outdoor. Yeah. The class you put on, I know you were going quickly through your slideshow, but mm-hmm. same thing. Head down, people were taking notes, so it's just kind of watching the engagement and. Yeah, people were eating it up. That facility was amazing. And then Hoyt, I, I, my mind was blown on that tour. I didn't realize what went into making a bow, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure we saw some secret stuff and nobody even knew it because <laughs> we were just walking around looking yeah. at everything. It's not like anything was labeled. Mm-hmm. You know, people were just working on stuff. But cool to see 
behind the scenes. And there was, I think there were people there, like GW, he'd never shot a bow. Yep. He was there going through the whole tour, watching people shoot. Uh, shoot. I think he shot a recurve with, uh, with Evan. But awesome. I mean, it was it was phenomenal to see where people came from, how much they loved it. I got to hear and see a bow unwind for the first time. That was awesome. <laughs> Literally the guy's first drawback. Ding! Like, whoa! His wrist rocket was still attached to his D-loop, and it was, like, completely in pieces. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't know what I think he must have just had a lot of it was an older single cam bow I think and I it think, was the first drawback and it, that sucker came apart yeah I think he just had a little he was a little tense and put a little too much torque on the string or on the handle and I think he just derailed it because nothing uh, nothing broke we actually just pressed it put the string back on and I think he was just hitting right back in the middle like he, he just literally said I have no idea what that was what happened I, I'm glad I got to see it at least once I don't need to see that again and hear it but <laughs> Do you get that a lot? People nervous shooting in front of you. Oh yeah, most of the time. Most I was of the time. again kind of just as an observer. I can understand it. I get it, but people just need to take a breath. Like there was one dude in a long sleeve shirt who was. I was watching. I could see him from behind, and when he was at full draw, it looked like the back of his long sleeve shirt was a flag whipping in the wind. <laughs> just ah, like, oh my god, calm down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, which isn't going to help. Which isn't going to help if you're trying to tune the guy up on shooting instruction because he's not actually shooting like he normally does. Yep. Well, there's always method to my madness, and my madness for that is I let people shoot enough. If if people shoot enough before they get to you, they kind of unwind a little bit. Um, The first few guys, it's always tougher. (laughs) I mean, the first few guys. Normally, the first guys just. They're like, yep, I'll go. And, I mean, they, they're waiting for it. But yep. you kind of get to those middle guys that are just kind of know they need to go next. Uh, yeah, sometimes they get they get nervous. I get it. I mean, I get it. But I have to immediately just let them know I'm not going to bite you, man. I'm, yeah. You know, you got to – you got to just do your, you know, try to t- tell them something that'll lighten, you know, that I think will lighten them up a little bit and get them focused again. But I just really enjoy this because I see so many different realms and levels in front of me, and I can't always relate to that. You know, I yep. can't always, if I'm working, if I'm just spending months working on bows for people at a different level or you know there's times a year where i'm just focused on building indoor bows um normally you know i'm working with higher level archers for that and then there's times where i'm working with brand new hunters you know like this time of year i'd get a lot of brand new hunters that are you know that end up getting in front of me but this was a very vast group there were guys that were probably didn't need my help and there were people that just wanted confirmation which i think is the always the bulk yeah i think there's people that do a lot of due diligence studying you're still in the (laughs) void though yeah but they want to know you know even though they're doing it right all they want to do is hear from the person that they respect hey man this you're doing exactly what you need just get put a little more time behind the riser and this is all going to work out really really well and you're going to have fun and they're like well that's awesome that you say that. I just, I just, you know, I'm feeling really good right now. I'm super confident what I'm doing, but I just, you know, I just, I was really trying to microanalyze myself and that's a, there's a fine line there. You can overthink things and you can over process things. Um, so just having 
someone that you can appreciate just give you that little tidbit of, you know. Uh, it's tough when you're out there by yourself learning something online and going mm-hmm. just off of your feel. Like you said, you need that confirmation that, yeah, you're headed down the right path. Um, I do want to say I have to – I know lately it might seem like like I've dogged out some dealers, and I don't want to say dealers because I don't, I don't name specifics. Um, but there's times when in my post people are asking me, what dealer should I go to? Um, and honestly, I don't, you know, I haven't been to every dealer in this U.S. I mean, there's certainly ones that I've been to. There's ones that I'm friends with. And there's ones that I'm naturally friends with that I go to a lot. And there's also a great shop across town. But they're just, I mean, it's just different. If I go somewhere and I haven't seen a friend in a long time and, you know, and, and they happen to own a shop, then that's where I go. It doesn't mean the shop across town isn't isn't worthy of yep. you know of being a good shop. But the other thing too is um, I know so it's hard for me to give people advice on who to go to, and it's not because I don't have faith in archery shops. I have there there's certainly ones that I know that are good and spend a lot of time with people, and normally those those shops they um, you know their reputations take care of themselves and they spread out. But there's also shops that um, maybe don't put as much effort into into training people. And I, and I know that because the reason I had a, an archery shop was because when I started, I was told that if someone had a purchase, they had 30 minutes to get, you know, I had 30 minutes with that customer. And if I didn't ha- teach them what they needed at, at that point or if they weren't happy with like, you know, buying their bow, going in the range, getting that 20 yard pin sighted in. Like if they wanted more time than that, they had to pay for it. And so, you know, there's certainly people that are, you know, get them in, get them out, get them in, working get them out. on that model. Yeah. Working on that model. Um, and if you're that person, then I would say, you know, you should really either considering slightly changing your prices so that you can, so that you can offer that type of service to people, um, or, you know, even if you're up front with them and say, you know, we have a limited time that we can do on this, but you can buy more. Um, there's a lot of shops that I think when it's busy, they just don't have the time. And I get that. I mean, if, you know, if you're going in there and there's five people waiting on a bow cause it's two weeks before season, I get that. You know, you might, you might not get as much attention. Well, probably not the best time to go in. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say too. Um, some people that have a negative experience with the dealer, um, they may not be going in at a favorable time for them to have their best experience. If you want to have the best experience, the sooner you can go in, the better. And utilizing those lull times, I mean, if you go, go in, in the dead of winter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. You go in winter, you go in during this time of year right now, you're probably going to get um, a little bit better ship times on bows. There's going to be less people in the store. Um, a lot of people are out fishing and doing family vacations and things like that. And you're going to, you know, if that guy wants someone to talk to and you're, you're going to get more attention in there, you're going to have the ability to, to get a better process. And, um, also lately, well, you and I are going to, uh, to Bob from shop yep, performance in, archery, performance archery in two weeks. Yep. It's exactly two weeks. 
If you want to go there, you need to call them actually and sign up for that. I've been too busy to post anything. Uh, but on the 28th, we're going to be doing, I don't know the exact times of day, but it's going to be an open parking lot party. Oh boy, we have to wake up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Rookie move. Yep. Phone is on. Yep. And then on the Sunday, there's going to be a limited, there's going to be a private class uh, for a limited number of people on Sunday, July 29th will be the private class. The 28th is going to be a parking lot cook, uh, just a meet and greet, hang out. All that good stuff. Um, Throw but, some arrows downrange. But, you know, Bob called me um, two days ago and said, hey, you know, we know that you, you don't sell um, knock to its to dealers, but we have a ton of our customers are asking for them. Is there any way you can bring some? And, you know, we know, we know that you're wanting to make all the margin, but, you know, we'll definitely come up with a, a fair price between the margin for both of us, you know, et cetera. And I just called him back and said, "Hey, dude, I'm not anti-dealer. We we're so backordered. I can't offer anything that I sell to dealers yeah. because I can't keep up with. You're just, still trying to get through the orders on your personal yeah, website. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we literally have um, a notification list that as soon as stuff is hitting, it's getting you know this notification list is building, and until we're sitting on inventory to the point where you know we've reached our saturation point to our followers i can't you know the dealer's going to be more mad at me because they're going to have an order and i don't have it i mean i'm not going to have it so i'm not not selling uh because of any other reason than supply and demand i mean i have to if i would add quality to that too i think you take the time for due diligence to look through the product and make sure it meets your personal standard yep before yeah. shipping to a dealer. And to go to your point on the, the difference between dealers, I can so easily equate that to drop zones and skydiving. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is there is, deviation is not the right word. There is a difference in quality. I know the same thing. When I go traveling around the U.S., I know of certain drop zones that are awesome and I have relationships with them. So when I travel, I go there. It's not that the drop zone down the road is worse. I just don't have a relationship with them. But there are some drop zones that are worse. Yeah. Some of them have a reputation because they have the financial backing to be staffed with amazing instructors and their curriculum. Even though they teach the same curriculum, if it's a USPA, which is the governing body for skydiving, the United States Parachute Association, if they teach the USPA curriculum, some instructors maybe have... 1,500 jumps. We're at these other DZs. They have 15,000 jumps. Yep. You're going to get a different experience. Mm-hmm. And the guy behind the counter at a bow shop, maybe he's at 1,000 jumps, whereas yep. Fromm's at 15 million jumps. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. You get, and it, it just naturally happens. And so there are some that I steer people away from, but people hit me up all the time. Where do I learn to skydive? And I say, go to the USPA website, USPA website, and find a drop zone in your area, research them, Go talk to them, and if when you go there you get a bad feeling, find another one. Yep. Because there is the it just there's going to be a top ten percent and a bottom ten percent and whatever it is, so it's not exclusive to the archery world at all, and people have to understand that. Yep. Yep. I got a cough, so I'm <coughs> I had to do that. Um, I know several shops that also, even though they they're veterans in what they do, Bob's one of those guys. Um, 
Bill Pellegrino is another one. Down at Archery Country where I go is another one. Uh, I'm not saying those are the best shops in their area. I just know that those guys, even at their level of understanding, they continually reach out and say, can you, you know, would you be willing to come in and do, um, you know, some type of a class or can you over, can you overwatch our technicians build some bows for customers or just watch how they approach things on the floor and then just give us some feedback at the end. Yeah. You know, continual evaluation is, I I want that. An investment in their staff. Yeah. It's an investment in their staff. Shields is, is very good about putting on, um, one of the better, um, training type uh it's i forgot what they call it they might just call it the shield school or something uh but they they literally continually train their staffers in every type of product that's in there but they rely on the manufacturer to do that all the manufacturers come in for like an archery weekend where each of those employees they may have 10 minutes with hoyt 10 minutes with Matthews, 10 minutes with Easton, 10 minutes. And they, they just go around and they learn all the different products. And I think you have to have that. I mean, yeah. you have to, otherwise the consumer is the one that's going to miss out. Sick guy. I know. I just got a, uh, <coughs> talk. I got a piece of popcorn or something. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk. I want to listen to you <laughs> choke to death. <laughs> um, we know what I found when I moved to Montana. There was two archery shops, one of which immediately closed their doors right after we got there, which was bummed because they had a killer 3D range. Uh, and the other one was, and I don't know if you find this, I haven't been into a lot of archery shops. I started, I got my first bow at Bob's place without knowing who Bob was. I literally just rolled in. I was like, what's up? I want a bow that's 1% better than Joe's. That's <laughs> literally what I told Fan. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> Uh, so they hooked me up with a sweet Carbon Defiant. Um, but they had a variety of bows. Yep. The shop in uh, Kalispell, where I live, has only Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I took my Hoyt in there, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I actually, I would say when I, that shop has actually recently totally downsized and moved as well. They had a 50-yard indoor range, and now they have a 6-yard indoor range with one lane. Yeah. The move in the wrong direction, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was sending you pictures from what they were doing to my bow before I ended up sending it to you. And your response was, uh, no, essentially. <laughs> well, but, but I don't know how often they got to work on a Hoyt and I don't know how different it was, but I, w- I guess the point being, I think they were narrower in their scope mm-hmm. as opposed to being broad. Yep. Yeah. The people and that the are consumer or customer, unless you shoot a Matthews, cause they were tuned on the Matthews stuff. Unless you shoot that, I'll just say I had, a. A suboptimal experience. Yeah, there's no one that's putting together a, a dealer school that covers every brand, you know. And as a boat, as an archery shop, the good ones are the ones that have have been around enough to where if they have to put a ten year old bow with steel kit, well, it'd be thirty year olds bow with steel cables. Uh, they would they'll know how to work on that. If yep. they have you know an old Oneida, they would you know they wouldn't look at it and be like, what in the heck is this? You need someone that has the background to understand. Um, and it's, it would almost be nice if Matthews or Hoyt or, you know, any of these other companies would put together a non dealer school, but just allow 
other shops to come in to have a better understanding of their product. One of my one of my good friends, uh, Marty, who actually helped is helping us, you know, finish up our new headquarters mm-hmm. at home. Uh, I met him because he was in Minnesota hunting on a friend uh, on an older friend's property. I don't know how the connection happened, but he dropped his bow pulling it up. Like as he, I think it like fell off the easy hanger. Oh, up in the stand. Fell to the ground and like you know ended up. Is that not good for a bow? No. (laughs) Ended up (laughs) ended up um just I think the string it either cut the string or the string just like came off the cams. It wasn't a major deal, but obviously he He was done shooting. He was done. Yeah. So because he knew he was only like thirty minutes from Matthews, and that's where his buddy worked, that he was hunting with he drove there and had the bow and he said, Hey, is there any way you guys can restring this for me and, and look at it and blah, blah, blah. And they literally said, we don't work on Hoyts. And I mean, I'm, I'm talking about guys that build a thousand bows a day in a press. They just looked at that. Like this is different. It has an extra string on it. You know, it's the cams are different. It's not a single cam that, and that was then, now obviously the bows are similar so they probably wouldn't have had that issue but they ended up having to call me and this was after i was already working for hoyt they called me and said you know we have a guy in here that's kind of in an emergency is there any way that you could if we sent him out to your place that you would work on his bow for him and i just said yeah send him on out and then now we're you know he's one of my top five friends um but he literally was on this hunt and couldn't find anyone that was you know he wasn't close enough to a Hoyt dealer and actually at the time that Matthews dealer was closed so he went to that would so, suck yeah he, game over like that in the middle of the trip yeah and he and he was able to find someone that helped him and I know looking back at my old bows that I built myself which I still have a lot from when I competed I did things a lot different then than I do now you know, I've continually, and a lot of the things I've learned come from archery shops. I mean, there's times where I'll, where I'll be in a shop and I'll watch someone do something a certain way and I'll be like, hey, that's pretty that's pretty neat. I yep. mean, a lot of what I do, it's either ways where I've watched it done one way and thought, well, I think I can get the same outcome but just a little faster or here's a continual problem I face with people. I think there's a lot of things that you can tailor but in the end you're getting to the same place. I don't I want to make sure the dealers out there know I'm I am pro dealer and I think dealers I think dealers are the lifeblood of it's they, the entry they, point. It was the entry point for me and you know my brother-in-law went to Bob's place as well and I think his experience there was what I would he had the same experience I did. He they didn't say this is the bow for you. They said let's grab four. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Which one feels the best in your hand? Yep. And he settled with an RX-1. Um, but they set him up, and he rolled in with a silverback and a knock to it. And they're like, okay, are you sure you want to learn archery with a back tension release? And he's like, yeah. They're like, cool, let's do it. They, you know, they didn't try to talk him out of it. And that's the right approach to have. I mean, you have to do that. Um, I know me as a customer, there, was times, there were times where I was really into paintball because it was just something different did you put them in the freezer 
Yeah. Because that's the varsity move. <laughs> yeah. I used to do that with our simunition rounds. You'd drop a dude like a sniper round in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> a calf shot with a frozen sim round will put you on your face. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to do that with Preston at the beer camp. Yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll shoot at him. He won't have an actual sim gun, but he, we'll shoot at him. I've, I, um, I forgot where I was going with that now. I derailed your story. Yeah, you did. Sorry. Damn it. <laughs> you were talking about archery shops. Though. Oh, I, what I was saying was when I was, uh, since there weren't a lot of paintball gun shops, you know, you would call around a lot. Yeah. And a lot of stuff then, you actually were better off getting online because there were Tipman dealers, and then there was a Spider dealer, and then, you know, you would go and try to find, like, this RPS ball, and they wouldn't have it, or this guy would have a bag but not a box. So I remember um, I've wanted to... to get a couple different barrels for one of the guns that I had. So you went pretty deep in the paintball world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I went into this place and the guy just started dogging me because I walked in with something that wasn't his. And he was just like yeah, that's dogging, bad, dogging bad me about it. Out of the gate. And he was saying, yeah, I don't know why you're so, you know, why you like those balls or blah, blah, blah. And I just said, you know, hey, dude, they fly good out of my gun. I mean... I try the other ones. I get a bunch of squirrely ones. I don't mind paying a little bit more because I feel like they're better. I know you might like your brand, but you know, I just buy these online. And in the end, he was just kind of upset that I got it online. And that's a that's a poor attitude to have because I know me as a consumer at that point, I turned around and I'm sure I'm sure I made that mistake when I had my archery shop too when people, you know, you kind of have to back up. There were yeah. times where people would come in and you know, they've got six inch feathers and every one of them is staggered at a different distance. And they're telling me how much better they fly and stuff. And you kind of have to pick and choose your battles, even though I want to tell them, okay, well, I can understand it might fly better at this distance, but obviously there's going to be, you know, deceleration or, you know, have you really tested it against the other stuff? And you, you just get to the to the point where sometimes you got to just roll with it. People are going to buy what they like. I tell people that all the time with bows. When people say, um, when people say, which, you know, I'm looking at this bow, this bow, or this bow, brand A, B, or C, you know, they're expecting me to say, well, you have to get the Hoyt. I shoot a Hoyt because I like it. You yeah. know, I could, I could really shoot any company's bow that I want. I just like, I like that bow. I've, I, it suited me when I was, when I left Matthews and came to Hoyt, Hoyt, in my opinion, offered me way more options on the target archery side, which was they offered the ability to customize limb, lengths, cam options. They were way more customizable than um, a lot of companies have since you know, changed, and they offer a little bit more custom work. But at the time, Hoyt was way more custom. I got used to it. They feel good in my hand. I've always liked the grip. And, you know, the cams, if I'm honest, the cams have come a long way. One of the hardest things for me to transition into a Hoyt was when I grew up behind a single cam bow, spending the majority of my reps, the draw curve on those bows were a lot different than the Hoyts. And the mm -hmm. Hoyt was a little bit more demanding. And it took me a long time to switch to get used to that. And so that's why I tell people, listen, you need to just hold it in your hand. Does the grip feel comfortable? Like, do you like, you know, because those those two things on a Matthews and a Hoyt are night and day. 
if you grab the grip, two completely yep. different things. Yep. If you like, you know, bows that balance one way versus the other way. Same again, parachutes, yep. different manufacturers. S- same exact thing. Yep. And then I tell them, you know, grab that thing, pull it back a few times, you know, pull it back, let it down, pull it back, let it down. Do you, which one do you feel like is more comfortable on the draw? And then if pretend like you weren't able to get your shot and you had to let down, you know, compare apples to apples, make sure they're not giving you a, a 60 pound product a and a yeah. 70 pound product B 80 pounder. Yeah. And say, <laughs> well, yeah, this one draws a little rough. Yeah. It's 80 something pounds. But, um, I think as a consumer, you have to do that. And I just want to clarify to everybody out there. I know there's a ton of, good dealers out there. I don't know them all. I wish I did. I mean, I wish I would have had time to go into every shop. So when Billy Bob sends me a message from so-and-so Arizona, I can have the ability to say, there's actually three guys that I've been to there. All of them are good. There's so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Unfortunately, I don't, you know, I know, I know, uh, Bill Pellegrino's shop in Colorado Springs. I know, my buddy Dave Steps shop, you know, down in Arizona, because I competed with those guys. Because you have a personal relationship yeah, with the individual. I've, you know, yeah. I literally rented cars with those guys for a decade, traveling around, shooting on the tours. You know, so those people are just people that I know and I experience. There, if you go in and have an experience in the shop, you're gonna know whether or not that shop, you know, suits your personality and whether or not they, you know, appreciate you know you're joe's a perfect example i tell joe exactly the things that i think he should shoot and even if he's shooting as good as he's ever shot a day later he's gonna be like i'm shoot i'm trying these out that's because he nerds out on the internet yeah but (laughs) but if you're an archery shop yeah if you take offense to that you're gonna have that's gonna be a problem because some people just love to try everything and i have certain things that i like to try everything in it's just not in archery i kind of stick to what's working for me yeah um but there's certainly people that do that and and those people i think if they don't feel uncomfortable then i think they're in the right place you know well and it's tough again to go back to the shop up by where i live now it would be tough to really I guess, explore the archery world there because it's, it's narrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you would end up buying most of the stuff online, which is what I ended up doing. And now I just go to like Lancaster and buy the stuff that I can't get yep. there. Yeah. Cause essentially that's what he has to do. Some of these shops that don't have the traffic and yep. listen, I've been there. I get it. If you can't sell the inventory, you don't want to hold it. Yep. I mean, yeah. When, when I started my shop, I couldn't get, I couldn't get Matthews. I couldn't get Hoyt and I couldn't get PSE. When I left and started my own shop, I had high country bows. That's what I sold. I sold high country bows. I've never even heard of that. <laughs> and I was a pro shooter for Matthews. I personally shot Matthews, wanted to sell them. I was in someone else's area. So I had to sell a bow that I could get, which was high countries. And, you know, I had to write a check for 15 grand for a first startup order. And to me, that was a lot. Yeah. So when people came in, I had one of each model on the rack and you know one model might have been in a 28 inch the other one was in a 29 the other one was in a 30 and you know people had to come in and i'd say well here's how the draw length would feel 
except it's going to be in that model over there. And it wasn't <laughs> ideal, but some people, that's where you have to start. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you want to have more options, you may have to drive somewhere to know exactly what you want and then bring your business back to the local community and say, Hey, you know, I did go around and figured out exactly what I want. I want to keep my business local. This is exactly what I want you to get for me and put it together. Um, and I've had this same conversation with people who have, um, bought my arrow rest and they take it into their local shop and I can't blame the shop. Sometimes they don't kind of understand my method of how to set it up. And when you pull it out of the package, I have everything set a certain way so that you can set it up easily. Whereas, you know, a lot of shops that might sell QADs, you know, as their bulk thing, they can just screw that thing on. They know what line to slide it to. They know exactly how they want to tie that felt on the front. You know, they, they know all that. And I appreciate that. They could probably, you know, run circles around me on products that aren't mine. But I'm just focusing on what I personally use on people's a majority of the time. But in saying that, there's people that also say, I don't, you know, I don't like, I don't like your uh, rest for X reason. I really, I've used this one forever and really like it. I mean, I've, I've got people's bows that I build still as favors and they'll use a QAD or they'll still use it. I get put, there's one guy that just loves a whisker biscuit. Always shoots cutting edge tech. Yeah. Cutting always shoots that sights. Is it my uncle? Because he shoots a whisker biscuit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I want to clarify, I am not anti dealer. I'm a hundred percent dealer oriented. I'm pro dealer. Well, like you said, it's the lifeblood. Yeah, it is the lifeblood of the industry. I think box stores and places where you walk in and someone behind the counter has only been there a few days and they haven't gave him any training and then he has to set up a bow, that's disheartening. I mean, yeah. I really don't like it when someone sends me a picture and say, I got my first bow, you know, what do you think? And I look and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this person finally got into archery and it's obvious that he just came in as an adolescent. The person saw the opportunity to just sell them what they had there and just figured they're probably not going to be back. I just think everyone should keep themselves in check with that type of mentality. But there's certainly awesome dealers out there that do a bang-up job. And you have to assess yourself. I assess myself all the time. When I feel like I'm not good at something, then I find training to to be that way. And I certainly have a lot of shops that reach out and ask if I'll come and do training for them. And time wise, I can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not because I don't want to work with the dealer. It's just because, you know, I'm trying my best to keep my head above water. Um, and if you're new to archery, the best thing that you can do, if you have a brand that you favor, Go on that brand's website, look for a dealer locator, type in your zip code. It's going to pull up, you know, several dealers that are closest to you. And, you know, at that point, you can either Google their shop, see what kind of feedback they have, or, you know, don't feel like you're in a rush to just buy a bow in one day. You know, maybe go in one and ask the questions that you want to ask, but then make make the drive 40 minutes the other direction and ask the same questions to a new place and see which one gives you the warm and fuzzies because that's that's the one that you're going to want to go to. You could everything you've said so far today could I'm telling you absolutely be applied to skydiving. 
there's drop zones with relationships with gear manufacturers. So you learn to jump and then it's like, oh, I want to buy my own stuff. And you go into the gear store and this is the brand that you need. It's like, well, this is the brand that you have a relationship yeah, with. That guy gives you a free pack. And it doesn't necessarily fit the person it, it, perfectly for their torso length and, you know, all their mechanical advantages and stuff. But, yeah, it's it's the nature of the beast. That's why I tell people, drive around, check stuff out, and then settle with the warm and fuzzy feeling. I actually use the same terminology. Because <laughs> if you don't, like, if you go to a drop zone and you're like, um... These people seem unprofessional. I'm pretty sure I just saw that tandem master smoking a bowl in his car, in his van down by the river. Maybe you don't want to go jump with that guy. Because <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. There's deviation. And there's small DZs that have a little Cessna that are barely making the buy. And there's massive DZs that have a fleet of aircraft. And it's like a, a, a well-oiled machine. You're going to get a different experience. But you may only have a small Cessna factory mm -hmm. near you. And if you don't like the feeling you're getting, go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. One of the things that uh, I know there was, I got a few calls from people about the uh, FOC podcast. I actually did two of them. One was a knock-on podcast. And I the did other... one too. I put my thoughts in on the FOC debate. <laughs> Most, just for like five minutes. Just at the beginning of an episode. <laughs> yeah. It was in relation to a... Uh, a blue chew. It was. Pill. I was trying to think of a creative way to get to the end state, and the front of center debate was front and center. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, so in that front of center series of podcasts, some people got upset um, at our personal opinions to it, which is totally fine. Some people appreciated the straightforward honest honesty about it. Uh, one of the things that a buddy of mine who's an archery shop said he's he didn't appreciate the fact that I said you can't uh you know you can't really go in and have a dealer tell you what arrow shaft you're going to be you're going to need if you have um and he didn't get the whole story too that's part of the problem he didn't realize when I said you can't go into an archery shop and figure out what arrow shaft you need that's based on the heavy inserts you know there there just aren't you know they're not supplying dealers right now with um, a chart to put out on their counter that says, if you're wanting to shoot 200 grains in the front of your arrow, this is what you want to use. The old, old charts had 7,500, 125 grain point options where people, in a way, that's the same. You know, you could say, mm -hmm. well, I want to shoot a 75 grain point, but it's a 25 grain insert, so I'm just going to pick this 100 column. But it was really hard, and I actually had to... Um, it took me quite a while working with uh, the Easton guys to get this chart kind of oiled down for 50 and 75 grain standard brass options, which is what's going to come with my arrows. Mm -hmm. You can buy aluminum as, a, as an add-on if you want. You can purchase the aluminum hits if you want. Just, which is what I have in mind now, right? Right. Yep. If you want just, you know, if you do feel like you're shooting great with what you have with that that lower foc which again people if you're doing really well with that i mean don't feel like you have to abandon ship but i'm just telling you that um for me the 50 grain is a very very happy medium i'm not falling to the extreme side where people are trying to just cram 300 in the front of their arrow or 200 i'm i like the 50 and i like 
a hundred grain head to give me 150 grains in the front. I like that. Sometimes I've seen people that are shooting 175 in the front and they shoot really well. Actually a guy um, showed up at our school and he started shooting and he was just grouping. I mean like so tight, but they were low and right of the spot. And I said, have you sighted this in? And he goes, well, he goes, I, I decided to try, um, some of the arrows with 75 grain inserts like you had talked about. So he said, I've just built these and today's the first time I'm shooting them. And he said, he goes, is it okay that they're hitting low, right? And I said, well, yeah, you, I mean, it's a heavier arrow, right? You added in the point weight. I mm-hmm. said, and they're hitting low. And I said, actually, the fact that they're hitting to the right is a good sign. I said, because if you look at your bow right now, where it was sighted in with your older arrows, I said, do you see how your your sight pins are way further left of where the arrow shaft's sitting? He said, yeah. And I said, when your spines are incorrect, a lot of times your pins are going to be a lot further away from that arrow just because of how that arrow flexes and and performs coming out of the bow. Hmm. I said, once your spine starts to match your bow better, I said, you're, you'll be able to move your sight closer to the center. More in line. Yep. More in line. So I said, don't worry about the low because obviously it's heavier. It's just, you know, it's going to hit lower. It's heavier. I said, so let's just, you know, let's make those quick adjustments. And then when we move the sight and everything. Oh, so it moved his pins more in line with where it naturally would. Okay. That makes sense. So I, you know, I said, okay, now look, now your pins are sitting just on the left edge of your arrow shaft. I said, that's a very good indicator that your spine is very closely matched to the build of your bow. How accurate could your bow even be if your pins were, I mean, I'm thinking about that from the rifle perspective. Like if you're compensating for the wobble of the round and your sights were, I mean, you want it, I mean, you start off with a rifle, you bore sight it. Yep. If you had to compensate for some crazy, because it distances, I mean, how do you know where you're going to catch that in the wobble? Well, it seems it's not like it really, difficult. it's not like porpoising or fishtailing. So it's not a porpoise? No, it's not a porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> um, just the natural direction of that arrow. You know, you'll find that if your spines are way off, sometimes you'll find that you have to move your arrow rest further in the center. Sometimes it might be further out. And you know, finding that sweet spot, which is why like walk back tuning or bear shaft tuning, people are literally adjusting their arrow rest to get the bear shaft to hit the same as the, not as the fletched arrow. You're trying to get that left and right to hit bear shaft, no fletchings at all. Just no, you add weight to the back. You you have to put like tape on the back because you need to have the same weight on the back as what you would have if it yeah. was fletched. And then, yeah, you're literally shooting bear shafts. Well, I've never heard of that. Yep. It's, it's a good way to do it. I just, I've done it that way and put a lot of time behind doing it that way, but I've also just kind of cut corners and done it my way and found the same results in the end. Um, and I've never had to shoot a bear shaft in, at an animal or in a competition. So shocker. Uh, yeah. So I've never, <laughs> I've, I've always really wanted to know what it does with the fletching on more so. Um, and again, I look for indicators like if I'm out there and I'm shooting and all of a sudden I'm recognizing man, these pins are just sitting way outside. Then I might go grab another arrow spine and all of a sudden shoot it. And I'm like, yep, these are hitting to the right. I need this. I needed to be stiffer on this arrow or that arrow was just a little too stiff before. Um, that's just, that all just comes from experience. What I wanted to do. And by the way, everyone, um, they're counting arrows in right now, uh, back home. So, 
they're gonna they're as soon as they get counted in and we're the other thing too is we're waiting on boxes um dang box company we're having the worst luck box company literally sent us i think 400 boxes and then they said they're out so now we're trying to find a new more boxes. For arrow specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause obviously it's a bizarre box shape. Yeah. If we have arrows that land on the website and then nothing to put them in, that's not going to be good. So put them in a poly mailer. It'll probably be fine. <laughs> I'm sure UPS will treat them well, <laughs> but no one had, no one had that chart. So I had to build that chart specific to the two arrows that I'm making. There'll be a video launching. I'll launch the video, uh, probably a day or two on the YouTube channel. Make sure you, if you're not following Knock on Archer YouTube channel, you need to follow it, and uh, you know make sure you are a subscriber to it and and kind of have the notifications on. So when I drop a new video, yep. um, you're able to to watch it right away. Because there's times where I I literally make a video live or I have um, Antoine make a video live, but I'm not able to even promote it. I mean, I know I made a couple videos live uh, yesterday. I haven't even uh, promoted all the ones that I did. The arrow video is going to be very, very in-depth about the arrows particularly and how to kind of utilize the chart that's going to be provided. I'll post a chart. There'll also be a chart on the website. And listen, uh, after I post this, if there are dealers out there that haven't done that homework themselves or found a way to find those numbers they're going to have the numbers in front of them now um, so hopefully the dealers aren't upset with me i just um you know all you have to do is print off the print off that that new arrow chart that i've got if you're wanting to sell people 50 and 75 grain brass inserts hit style um and you want to figure out you know how those work um then print off the thing and then you've got it. But as of right now, I just haven't put it out there yet because I don't have anything available for people to purchase, but I will put out this video first. It's pretty, it's pretty in depth. Um, so make sure you watch it all the way through. And then there's also a video that will accompany that, that will show you exactly how to install the hit system into your arrows. Just to clarify, um, as of right now, which is July 13th, Friday the 13th. That's awesome. Is it? Uh, yeah. I'm excited now. Uh, so the um, the install video will be available either on the website or on the YouTube channel. I'm, I'm trying to do a better job of putting videos that accompany products that we sell on the website with that. So like I just posted a release maintenance video. Yep. So if you want to see how to properly clean and maintain your releases, um, that video is out, but we're also going to try to get that hyperlinked into the store too. So if you go to buy a knock to it, you can it's also, right there. yeah, there's going to be two. Um, actually I just posted, I think it's live, uh, how to set up your knock to it, how to properly adjust and set up your knock to it. Um, there'll also be one coming soon on the silverback as well. There's also one coming about veins, what each of the veins are, um, their pros and cons to each of the style, and then also how to put them on. So all that stuff is, uh, all that stuff's going to be coming. You got to just have your notifications on to see it, but I don't have issues with dealers. Hopefully dealers don't have any issues with me. I know that, uh, 
when people call me struggling and ask me about a dealer, I can't honestly give them answers all the time because I don't know of all of them. You'll have to just do your best to find that out. And if you're a dealer that's out there that, you know, maybe find some of the things people are walking in your shop and asking you about if, you know, if you, if you're wondering why the heck, you know, people are talking about certain things and you don't have familiarity with it, then I would say jump online and watch some stuff. And I would say it's a good people bringing in new stuff that you haven't seen is a good point to learn, but you have to be in a position where you're comfortable doing that. One of my buddies that owns an archery shop, they, they actually, um, they make, their employees listen to each podcast that comes out just to see if they can try to stay on the cutting edge of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just say, listen, we're okay. Um, if we're slow, just, we want to make sure you stay up to date on podcasts. Um, they really feel like they feel like it helps their people behind the counters stay current with, you know, maybe things that I'm talking about or maybe changes that are being made. A lot of our products that I like are similar to that shops. So it really helps them. Well, uh, speaking of that, is the heavier front of center weight, is that a newer trend? Mm-hmm. Is it is it repeating? Did you see that in the past and then it's like a sine wave where it goes away and comes back? Or is that relatively newer? I think podcasts, podcasting, there, well, there's, I should, I should, I need to credit two things for that. One is podcasting because a lot of people are finding out about it now and, yeah. and the the issue that I had with with front of center and the way it's been a lot of people have been describing it it's not definitive there's no guarantee like for example we had a guy that came here that had 300 grains in the front of his arrows because he just at that uh, class yeah oh wow because he just said I'm hearing everyone talk about like really high FOC so I just you know I got it these heavier inserts i put them in and now i'm going to a 175 grain head wow. i'm like well how does it shoot and he's like well i uh, i mean i haven't really <laughs> and i said dude i said did you buy a different spine arrow and he said no i just kind of got new inserts for the ones that i have I and mean, i already had some of these arrow shafts and i said man you know you're literally doubling the amount of weight in the front of your that arrow it's going to be so much weaker now you know, spine wise yeah. than before. And I said, I can't, unless you were way over spined before this might like, you may be maybe de- detrimental to, your yeah, you may be totally on the weak end of things right now. So podcasting has brought it back, but also, um, Valkyrie has done a really good job about making some componentry that is a very high quality componentry that allows you to use these systems in multiple types of arrows, like, you know, the actual arrow shaft or Mm. brand. So when someone's making a very good product and then educating people on why that product's good, then there's going to be, people are going to listen and they're going to try it. And I'm trying to do the same thing just on a slightly, you know, different level than, you know, where he's at. I mean, he's, he's obviously building the componentry. I'm not, I'm trying to take what I feel like is out on the market that is good. And the average person can put to, put to practical use. And that's what I'm going to do. But I do know that because I'm doing that, I have to be able to educate people on, okay, this isn't a 16 grain insert. 
this is a 50 grain insert so it's no different than you going from a you know an 85 grain head to a 125 there's going to be a difference in how that arrow performs yeah so i just want to make sure uh that people know exactly how to pick the right spine according to the point that they want to put in there and well, there's going to be a, lag too at the dealer level if it's a new, that's why I was asking if it's a relatively new fad because there's going to be lag between education and experience there. So yeah, I mean, expect some different results depending on where you go. Yeah, and you're not you know if you've spent if you've spent two weeks researching um, this new arrow can you know arrow componentry and how it glues in and the heads that come with it and if you've been spending two weeks researching that and you're just now buying it, it's probably not likely that a dealer is going to be putting hundreds of dollars of componentry onto his shelf yeah, for one particular arrow. And I get it. I wouldn't do it either. I mean, it's shelf shelf space, retail floor space has value. And, and you got to write a check to fill it. Yeah, and you have to write a check to fill it. So honestly... If I had an archery shop, even though there's some awesome systems out there, I would I would do a, a good job of making sure I was on top of the education. I'd probably try to you know call that place and say I'd like to buy some for myself to try. I'll keep them here behind the counter so people can can see them and understand them, and I'll just order them. I mean, you don't want to have to order everything, but with certain things like that, you got to understand as a consumer it's highly likely that you're going to you're going to have to wait and order them. I mean, they're just not going to be sitting on a floor somewhere. That's just, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Uh but yeah, I think everyone out there don't uh if I can't give you the name of an archery shop, I think you should go to. Don't take it as it's because I don't like archery shops. I I I mean, I love archery shops and that's you know, I go to archery shops and I do schools and archery shops and I've traveled and I've actually seen more shops through Europe than I've seen here in the U S um, just because I did a, spent a lot of time as an international rep and just really did a lot of international tours going in every single club and dealer out there. Um, so I have a better understanding of the European shops than the domestic ones, just because when I was a sales rep domestically, my area was South Central U.S., which is why I do have knowledge of shops that are, you know, I know the shop in Austin. Yep. The, you know, the archery country, the reason I favor that shop is because when I started as a sales rep, Susan and Bill were were one of my accounts. I was his account. I was there when Bill died. Um, I was there when Susan sold it. Um, I've, you know, so I've seen it transfer hands a few times, but I've known the shop for over 20 years. So, uh, and there's also a lot of shops throughout Mississippi that became great friends in Arkansas and Louisiana. I've, you know, I've been to those shops and I've talked for 10 years. I talked to those people on the phone every day. So I, I have an understanding of those, but the West was never my area. So I don't know Western shops. I know people like Bill Pellegrino because I shot with him or I know Bob because, you know, I've always really looked up to him as a bow hunter. Um, and he's came out with some, he's came out with some cool stuff. I mean, he's came out with some cool designs 
that worked really well. I shot his broadheads for a long time. Um, so Bob made a broadhead? Yeah, I think he made the Shuttle T-Lock. I think he was the originator of the Shuttle T. I don't think he was just a spokesman for it. He may correct me on that, or someone will. But, yeah, that's actually where I saw those for the first time, and I shot them for a long time. But, dude, we have to roll. We got a class of 10 card holders that bid or bought an experience. So this is going to be pretty cool. This is... Our, What's their experience level with archery? It's uh, varying. Yes, it varies. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. And one of the things that I did with these guys is, um, and I've got to put this together. Every one of them, um, I sent them a video on photos that I wanted them to take in videos, so yeah. that I can actually build some profile uh, photo uh, folders for them before I see them. And then, this is a much smaller class with double the amount of time. So. You know, I get I get a uh, you know six hours with these guys, and the class is a sixth of the size. Um, so they're going to get a lot more one-on-one -on -one time, and we're going to have a lot more time to to have fun and shoot some long stuff and prep everybody for uh, the total archery challenge, which we're shooting tomorrow with this group. This group gets to shoot with me, Andy, and Fred Eichler, which is going to be a riot. Uh, that course was fun. Shot it yesterday. Yeah, it's going to be... Saw some interesting stuff. Took some shots I've never taken. It was good. Yeah. Didn't lose any arrows, which I'm happy. Barklow ended up at his mom's house. He did. He lost every single one of his arrows. He couldn't <laughs> even complete the course, is what I like to say. <laughs> He's going to be so pissed. He did just fine, people. <laughs> yeah, he did fine. But the the best thing about it was someone I know actually videoed him on one target and he was doing it in slow motion because it was it looked like a it looked like it was one of those big mule deers that was like kind of across this canyon and it looked like it was like under huge pine trees that was the last one was yeah, it that's the last target yeah and he it, you know when you're filming someone in slow motion on the iphone if you stop it like after the whatever you're trying to film happens if you hit stop too soon then the slow motion kind of goes at normal speed then it's slow 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 and then right before you stopped it it speeds back up again so this guy hit the stop button a little bit too quick so i see barklow super serious he's like doing everything he needs to to you know assess the target he draws back i see that thumb come off the safety of his silver back and then it's just slow motion i can just see him like pull in and everything looked textbook and then as soon as that shot like goes off, I see the arrow like going slow, 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 and I kind of see it disappear at the target. And then right when the phone speeds up is when I don't think he got the outcome that he wanted. It trimmed. Uh, it did a little hedge trimming. Yeah, <laughs> he literally <laughs> turns like with this like really pissed off look, and it happened really fast. And it was it was a it was a hilarious clip because I got to see that moment of complete dissatisfaction with the outcome of where that arrow landed <laughs> but that i'm, was exci a, I'm yeah. excited this that was a tough target i ended up doing that one seated just to get underneath that branch really yeah okay yeah that's legit then that's that's tough that stuff's tough well let's uh let's get ready i'm gonna get the, i wanted to get a podcast out this week it's been a busy 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 week next week 
For those of you listening, it's Friday the 13th, July of 2018. Next week, I actually am doing a Peterson's bow hunting takeover. I'm uh, going to go through backyard uh, drills, backyard drills for preparation for your hunting season. I don't know the exact time they might be advertising it. I'm not familiar if they have yet, but that'll be coming. And also, I'm going to be doing a few takeovers with Peterson's as follow-ups to articles that I've just put out, um, which the one that I I think is going to be coming out in this next edition is, um, I think, five things to build build the perfect arrow. Oh, sweet. And so then I'll actually go live and then do shooting with different types of arrow configurations and builds to show you guys what outcomes occur. So that'll be pretty cool too. Uh, appreciate the heck out of it. Andy, thanks for sitting in, dude. Oh yeah. Appreciate your parachute stories, talking about the guy by the river and all that stuff. (laughs) Down by the river. (laughs) All right. Knock on everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.